0: Hey, how's it going? Pastor Mike here. I want you to stay all the way to the end of this episode to hear more about a great podcast from Time of Grace. Now, on to today's episode.
1: Have you watched the news lately? I recently got at a phone call from a lady in my church. And the conversations that I and many others have with her are always encouraging and optimistic. And that's why this phone conversation, this one particular day, threw me off. She said, I've had it. And it wasn't on account of one particular thing. It was actually on account of a lot of things. She had been making a list of all of these news stories over weeks that had been bothering her. Some of it was a mental list. Things that were burdening her and bothering her. Some of it, though, was a literal list. She asked me, Pastor, I've never felt this way in my entire life and after living over seven decades, She said, how do I find joy in a world like this? A world broken as is ours. And maybe you've thought about that too. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Whether you've looked at the news or you just rather pass by the headlines, it can be hard when you look at everything that's going on in the world. And I don't need to recount all the headlines for you. It can be hard to find joy in a broken world like this. But that's why we have these incredible truths from God's word. It's just this little book towards the end of the Bible. It's written by a man that was imprisoned, literally, by the brokenness of this world. Written to a bunch of Christians who were feeling all of the burdens, just like you and I do. It's given me a lot of comfort, especially in these trying times, and it certainly helped that lady, too. That lady that I told you about, that she made a list. She said, Pastor, I've been writing this down. She had the classic yellow legal pad and with her left-handed slant, she had written down all of these things and she turned them into a mathematical equation. Truly, a bold line underneath all of them and then she had an equal sign and she said, Pastor, do you know what I wrote next to the equal sign? A big, fat question mark. If you were to quantify all of the circumstances in your life and in the world today and you were to create a mathematical equation, what would be your conclusion? How would you sum it up? When you think of the headlines of what's going on overseas and even in our own country, when you think of what's going on in your home and in your own community, when you think about the last thing that you saw on the news or something that was shared via social media, When somebody talked to you, how long did it take before they shared something that wasn't encouraging but another bit of bad news? You tally all of those things up. Maybe if you're like me, you can easily come up with not just a question mark, but a giant fat exclamation point next to the question mark because our world is filled with uncertainty and it seems to only increase as such. So what do you do? How do you find joy in a world that's broken like ours? That man that I mentioned before, who wrote that little book towards the end of the Bible, it's actually a letter and it's written by a man by the name of the Apostle Paul. And he was writing to these Christians who were experiencing more and more persecution as the darkness of the world was closing more and more in around them. These Christians are the Philippians, the town of Philippi is in North Greece. And as Paul writes to them, what do you think he's going to say? as Paul's literally writing from a place of darkness. Do you you want to know where he is when he's writing this letter? He's not on the coast of Greece, basking in the Mediterranean sites. No, he's in prison. And as he's writing to people, what, what is he going to say? Is he going to say, you know, I think this is about the time we should pack it in. Well, that might make sense. That's not what he says, though. Does he kind of sound like Eeyore? You know, that donkey character in Winnie the Pooh who always speaks of the doom and gloom? Oh, this is just terrible. It's only going to get worse. No, none of those things. In fact, he sounds incredibly optimistic. One of the words that he uses most commonly throughout this letter to the Philippians is the word joy or the verb rejoice. In fact, towards the end of the letter, this is what he has to say to them. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now this might be the time where you think he got bopped on the head by one of the guards and immediately tried to write a letter or maybe he's going senile or something, but that's not at all the case. He can and he does encourage and even call Christians, not just then, but you and me today, to have joy. He doubles down, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. This calm sincerity that you do have. A sincerity that is found in no one else than than in God alone, who showed such a caring consideration for us in our humble estate. But he doubles down even further with a promise. Rejoice. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. You have this incredible promise from a God who never backs away from those who find themselves in a broken world. Look no farther than all of the promises that God gives you in his word to prove that he is near, which also encourages you to find joy in this broken world. Promises like, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He promises to listen to you as a father listens to the concern of a child? He tells you that he knows you by name? He reminds you that you are his and he is yours? Look no farther than all of the ways that God has laid out in his word that you have a joy that is beyond your circumstances. You see, for the one who had joy before him, he set that aside to endure our scorn and shame. And so God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to earn our salvation, to pay our debt, to erase our guilt so we would have peace and, yes, even joy. And not just for a time, but for eternity. You see, those words might seem simple and even passable, but they're anything but that. The Lord is near, gives you a joy that is not tied to your circumstance. In fact, all of God's promises create a summation that is much more powerful than any and all of our circumstances so i talked with this lady and simply shared these words with her look at what god tells you the lord is near she's so thoughtful do you know what she did she said pastor give me a couple hours i need to think about this and i'll call you back how easily do any of us myself especially kind of give a few minutes to something and then move on not her well she called me back in a couple hours just as she she said she would and i said well so what do you have I knew she had something. She said, Pastor, I have another list. And I thought, oh no, here we go. She turned on the news or a friend called her and this list goes from bad to worse. No, not at all. She said, I have a different list and I wrote this one out too. But this isn't the first day that I've had this list. In fact, I've had this list as far as I can remember. I just overlooked it. It's all of the things that God tells me that he has done for me. That, that is a joy that is not tied to our circumstances. In fact, it is a joy that nothing in the world can give or take away. So whether you are in a literal jail or in the prison of depression, whether you're stuck with worry and fear, more and more compounding uncertainty about what's coming down the pipeline tomorrow, next month, next year, no matter if you're facing economic ruin, or financial struggle, worries and fears about your health or that of a loved one. Yeah, there's plenty out there that would make us, well, conclude that all we have are question marks. But thankfully, God, who is near, gives us a joy that is not tied to our circumstances. It is cemented in the God who not only promises, but also proves by his power and has provided through his Son that we have a joy that lasts forever. And that joy is greater than all of our earthly circumstances. The Lord is near. Have you ever heard of the ostrich effect? There's this ongoing myth that an ostrich will put its head in the sand. Maybe somebody thought that an ostrich would put its head in the sand if it was experiencing danger with the hopes that that danger would just go away. And although that's not true, there are some psychologists that write about how people do this very thing. One of them put it this way, when your head thinks about all of the important and weighty matters in your life and how they also impact your life, and then your heart also tries to consider the stress that you will deal with and the pain that you might feel when you deal with those important items, a person might Just tune out. Put their head in the sand. You might think about the engine light turning on and you just would rather pretend that you don't see that little light on the dashboard as you keep on driving down the road with the hopes that after mile three or 13 or 20, it'll just go away. You think about the mounting bills and maybe you'll deal with it tomorrow and so you procrastinate, partly because a person is struggling with maybe the ostrich effect. That's what that lady that I mentioned in the previous video decided. In that conversation we had on the phone, she just said, I'm just going to tune it all out. I'm going to unplug. That's it, I've had it. And maybe partly, at least initially, can you blame her? It might be easy just to kind of tune everything out, just to go wherever we might find peace and respite and then maybe, hopefully, after a certain duration of time, it'll just go away. But we know that that's not the case. But we have to admit, though, that this move of hers, at least for a time, isn't all a bad idea. After the dawning of the 24-hour news cycle, we've kind of been sold this bill of goods that not only is news available all the time, but we need to consume it almost all the time, too. And maybe the lie that some, if not all of us, have believed at one time or another is that this is necessary and beneficial for us to be informed, and yet, we're just not made to deal with all of the bad news so frequently throughout every day, week after week and month and year after month and year. It's We're just not made for that. And for a man in prison, the apostle Paul understood that and he knew that other Christians needed that too because it's easy to not only see all of the negative reports from a broken world such as ours, but then just to give up, to tune out. Paul's in prison. He could easily just tune out. He knows these Christians are feeling the darkness of the world encroaching more and more in around them, and so should we just put our heads in the proverbial sand? This is what he writes. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds So that's it. We just snap out of it, maybe flip a switch in our brain and then wake up tomorrow and we're all of a sudden in a better mood and not worried about the negative impact of the world around us. No, that's not how it works and you know that. But what you have to know is this. Those words are a classic example of what you see in just about all of God's word. That he calls us to do something but what you do not find is God calling us to do something without first providing that very thing for us in his Son, Christ Jesus. In other words, God never gives a command without first and foremost giving us his gracious promises. So what does that mean for you when you might want to just stick your head in the sand and shut everything out? First, consider the promises that he makes. Before he he, he says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He, first of all, Gives this promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And you can't skip over that tiny two letter word, in. You see, being in Christ Jesus, it is like this sphere of protection in this three dimensional world where we are being bombarded by every direction. When we are in Christ Jesus, we are in the status of forgiveness. And so no accusation from others or even from our own burdened consciences have any sway in the courtroom of God who declares us forgiven and at peace. Being in Christ Jesus means that we have this sphere of protection so that the seemingly firing arrows that are coming from every direction cannot touch us or hurt us because we are in Christ Jesus. When we're worried with fear and have uncertainty about tomorrow, We belong to the one who holds eternity in his hand. He is ours and we are in Christ Jesus. And the other side of this promise sandwich, he says this, The God of peace will be with you. He doesn't say maybe or hopefully or if you play your cards right, God will help you out in the end. He says, will. And God means every little bit of the certainty that comes with those words. He will be with you. So do you know what that meant for that lady? We talked a couple weeks afterwards about words like these. And you know what she decided to do? First of all, she decided what was good for her. Her quota of what works as far as news consumption and whatnot, and maybe that's a good consideration for us all. But do you know what else she said? She said, we have so much going for us up there. Instead of burying our heads in the proverbial sand to try and ignore everything that's going on around here, down here on earth, we have so much going for us up there. So whatever you're facing and whatever bothers you, if it's the frustrations of political leaders, the turmoil that you see in some distant land, if something is hitting close to home and maybe you even feel like you're on an island, No matter what it is, in a broken world like this, you have joy and can lift your head, even amid all of this turmoil, heavenward. Because we have so much going for us and the peace that we have with God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Yes, the Lord will be with you. Have you ever thanked God for fleas? You may have heard of the story of Cory Ten Boom. She and her sister were captured by the Nazis in World War II because they were helping Jews escape. And they were taken to Ravensbrück and put in this concentration camp to live in this overcrowded barracks. And if those conditions weren't bad, they got worse. Rancid straw served as their carpet, as well as their mattress. And, as you might imagine, they and many other women fell prey to the assaults of the soldiers and the guards. And if that wasn't bad enough, things went from bad to worse to worse yet still when they would go to bed and even throughout the day, they would feel the bites of fleas. The whole barracks was infested. I mean, imagine trying to go to bed and you feel the biting of fleas. Now, I don't tell you this so that you worry a lot when you go to bed tonight and so you have to double triple maybe even quadruple check your covers although that's not a bad idea but really how do you deal with a broken world that goes from bad to worse i haven't just talked to one person who has said that i think i've talked to just about everybody who's been saying that how do you find joy in a broken world that isn't getting any better and it seems to be proving to be more broken day by day? Well, an answer to that comes from God's word today, and there's this neat connection that requires a little bit of explanation. You see, Paul wasn't just reaching out to one group of people in one place, he also was encouraging another group of Christians, among many others, in this town called Thessalonica. And when he was there, he was stretched thin. By that time, he had seen quite a bit. He had experienced much of the world that was pressing in upon him and persecuting him and many others. And throughout Paul's life, what did he face that went from bad to worse? He had been beaten. He had been almost killed. He had been chased and persecuted and imprisoned, as we've been talking about throughout these videos. But when he was talking to and encouraging and writing these Thessalonian Christians, he's stretched thin and of all the things that he has to say, listen to these words. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Take those words from a man who understood what persecution and a broken world is all about, as he faced all of those trials and would face even more. And the reason we can be joyful, yes, in all of the circumstances, even when they seem to be getting worse, is because. We have these joyous promises in our Savior Christ, Jesus, regardless of our circumstance. But the neat connection that I mentioned earlier is that when Paul was reaching out to and encouraging that group of Christians, he needed support. Otherwise, he'd be on his own. And you know who helped him? Who partnered with him and supported him and prayed for him? It was that group of Christians, the Philippians, They are the ones that reached out and even sent financial aid and prayed for and encouraged Paul. And without that, Paul doesn't even know where he would be. So consider what that meant as the Apostle Paul writes these words then to the Philippians. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That partnership. Of all the reasons why Paul could press on despite a world around him getting worse day by day, it was others. It was a partnership of believers who were encouraging and even supporting him. And imagine what you would do if you face this world alone. Again, we're not meant to do that. Even just dealing with the headlines can be challenging, but then having to struggle through this world by ourselves, that's why we have this incredible privilege of being partnered with so many other Christians. Do you know that every single Sunday, and you're probably part of this maybe, countless Christians are praying for and encouraging other countless Christians, and that carries on throughout the week, week after week supporting other people that they will never meet. What would we do if we were just alone and yet God has put us in this together? That was certainly the case for Cory ten Boom. Because of those fleas, they could give thanks in all circumstances because the fleas kept the guards out of those barracks. So do you know what they were able to do? They were not only able to encourage one another and share in this partnership that we have, they were able to carry out Bible studies and devotions in a World War II Nazi, Nazi concentration camp. How crazy is that? And yet it goes on. They were also able to pray for others. Imagine all of the prayers that were needed as they considered the world around them in World War II. In our day and age, it's no different and it's not getting any better. But God gives you these incredible promises and he also gives you profound purpose. That is purpose for you to answer your prayers and to also work through your prayers and encouragement for the sake of others matter to him and he will work through them. Think of it this way. My kids, I'm not sure where they picked it up, but whenever they see a siren from a police car, an ambulance or a fire truck, one or more of them have this habit of saying, say a prayer. So we're playing in the backyard, we're driving down the road and they see the sirens. One of them will say, say a prayer. Instead of the inconvenience of pausing and pulling off to the side, they, I'm not sure where they learned it from, probably my wife, they're encouraged to think about the others. To pray for others. The paramedics that are doing that hero-like work, or the people that are hurting, that are calling 911. Saying a prayer for others matters. And if your God listens to you as though you are his own dear child, which he most certainly does, then will he not take those prayers and make them work, not only for your good, but for the good of others? So although we live in a world that seems to be broken, and it is, and it seems to be even getting worse, we can find joy in this. That God has given us profound purpose regardless of our circumstances. His promises and his power to keep every one of them will never wane or fail us. And he gives us purpose to encourage and support others in this partnership that we have together, and to pray for others. And because God keeps his promises, he will most certainly carry this good work in you out to completion. Have you ever hiked through the woods in the dark? Where I live, we have these beautiful mountains, and the only way to get to see especially some of the sunrises is that you have to hike through the woods in the dark. In some of these places, it's quite a hike. It's worth it, but if you've ever hiked through the woods in the dark, it's kind of creepy. All of the sounds are bigger. The shadows and the things that move if it's just a tree. It looks like a monster. I'm not sure why anyone who is of sane mind would want to walk through the woods in the dark just because. But for a sunrise, especially some of the sunrises that you get to see in the mountains, that's worth it when the sun starts to come up and you see those hues of pink and purple and the pigments of red and orange and yellow. It's just awesome. And to think that that sunrise is never going to be duplicated exactly like that again. That God does that every single day, even if we're not there to see it. And yes, even behind the clouds. God working behind the veil of what seems to be a dark world just so happens to be an M.O. of his. In fact, God continues to do a lot of his great work, even when it seems like he's not doing anything at all. I've talked to countless people who are not only saying that it seems like everything is getting worse and it's impossible to find joy in a world like this, but they also say, why why isn't that we can't just see a little bit more? Why can't God tell us what he's doing, or show us that he's doing anything at all. Well, I understand that. I have my moments when I think the very same thing. But that's where faith steps in. There would be no need for faith if we could see, for faith is the assurance of the things that we hope for, the things that are unseen. And also, it's important to note that we have already witnessed God doing some pretty incredible things when it looked like the world was winning and that darkness would overtake everything. I mean, think about it. Jesus, God's son, is born and there's no room for him in the inn and he's laid in a trough. Jesus, rejected by his own people, his own hometown tries to stone him. He's captured, the eternal son of God captured brutally beaten, most people don't survive it, flogged, and then crucified? As darkness fell over the earth that Friday long ago, it seemed like darkness was winning and that anything that was good was lost. But in that bloodstained cross and proven in the empty tomb, all that seemed to be lost was actually won. For behind the veil of darkness, God proved that he does not just some of his work, but he does, yes, even his greatest work. So why would it be any different now? When you look at the world around you and all you can see is the darkness and closing around you, it seems like it's a long and arduous hike until you can finally see dawn and get a breath of fresh air. Remember, God is working. He's not sleeping. He's not taking a break. He doesn't snooze or punch a clock and then he'll be back later after lunchtime. God is always working. Not just sometimes through the dark, but especially in the dark. Haven't we seen that when God did his greatest work of giving us peace that lasts forever? A joy that is cemented in eternity. And forgiveness, not just among one another for a time, but forgiveness from God as part of his family forever. There are some clear examples, even today, of how God does that. Take the example from the Apostle Paul as he's writing to the Philippians. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. God didn't leave Paul alone in the darkness of that dungeon, so to speak. No, he actually was working through that to reach people who were in the palace guard and many others who would know that Paul was in prison for Christ. And it didn't cause absolutely everyone to throw in the towel. It actually bestowed a courage and a fearlessness that people otherwise wouldn't have had. God works through that, yes, even in the darkness, to give people a peace so that this good news of Jesus Christ would spread to more and more people that others who are just left to this world would not just be left to it, but would have joy, yes, a joy, even in a broken world. God has given the same for you. God has not left you alone or told you that He will see you on the other side. Good luck. No, instead, He promises to be with you. And He's even given you clear evidence that He's working even now. Consider all of the people over the last however many years who have been reached and encouraged, especially because they're stuck in a dark place. Even what we're doing right now is proof that God is working through, yes, even the veil of darkness to share the message of joy and peace and grace with people who, especially those who might not otherwise have it. God has not left us alone and it might seem like it's a long hike, but I take a cue from one of my good friends. He just went through an incredible financial struggle. The carpet was pulled out from underneath him. We're not talking just a a few figures. We're talking like five, six figures. You know what he said? If we're not made for hardships, we're not made of much. This is a brother in Christ who gave me a wonderful example, and it's a great example for you too. That in the hardships, in the moments, God is working through them. In a lot of ways, we don't understand, and we won't until God brings us home to heaven. But right now, what we do know is that he's shaping us and strengthening us. He's preparing us and honing us. So, even when we face the brokenness of this world, we can find joy in the fact that God has purpose for each of us to strengthen us. So, the hike is long. And it seems like it's uphill. And every day, it seems like dawn will never come. But what God promises you through his Son, our Savior, is that the eternal dawn will one day come. And until then, our future looks only bright. Wouldn't it be great if it was all over? If we could just go back to simpler times? Our our world has been changed forever, and a lot of it is not for the good. I don't know how many times I've heard that over the last few years, but it's been a lot, to say the least. If only we could just grab the remote control of life and just press stop and rewind. That place was a little bit more comfortable. They were better times. It doesn't work that way. I struggle to talk about that, especially with several of the old widows in my church. I think of a few in particular. They've lost their husbands and they don't have as much purpose anymore, at least that's the way that they put it. Their kids aren't grown. They don't want to be a drag. And so they even get so far as to say, I don't know why God has me here. I just want to go to heaven. And part of that is not just that they miss their husband that's fine and good. Part of that is not just that they feel like they're a drag on their family and so they don't want to be. That's normal. Part of it is because they look at a broken world like this and it's harder and harder for them on account of all of these negative changes for them to find joy. So can't we just want to go to heaven? Well, that's not a bad thought. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the Philippians, he says that very thing. Listen to how he puts it. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to de- to depart. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Better by far, that's... That's quite an understatement. I mean, think of what heaven is. Everything that you despise about this life, everything that you want erased, all of the pain and the turmoil and the division and the hatred and the disease, and and we could go on and on with that list, all of that is gone, but that's not it. It's that every way that you would feel in every one of those circumstances with every one of the things on that list, heaven is the exact opposite. Fulfillment that's unparalleled peace unknown, a love and a grace, standing in the presence of God, seeing Jesus face to face, perfect communion with everyone. I just feel so inept every time I try to describe heaven because you just can't, not when you live in a broken world like this. But maybe that's why we need to fix our eyes on our Savior Jesus and remember that heaven is ours, that we're not left to this place, And yes, to depart and to be with Christ is better by far, and to think about those things, the the greater things that we have in heaven, gives us a joy, once again, that this world can't give and that this world can never take away. Can you do something for me right now? As you think about departing and being with Jesus and all of your Christian loved ones in heaven, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could just do that? Can, Can you just do one thing for me? Can you Tell me what your heart rate is. Maybe you just had a doctor's appointment and you'd rather not think about it. Maybe you're unsure and you haven't found your heart rate in a while. But I have some really important news for you about your heart rate. Are you ready? You still have one. I know that's a terrible joke, but I have to say, if you're watching this video, you have one. Which means that although it would be better by far to be in heaven, and everything that God has secured for you through his son, Jesus Christ, is waiting for you, there is, as Paul said, fruitful labor for you. He actually goes on to say this, I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you, these Christians in Philippi, that I remain in the body. He knew somehow that he was probably gonna get out of these chains, this imprisonment of sorts, and he had fruitful labor. And so do you. It's wonderful to think of heaven and all that is in store for you, but that is on God's timetable and not on ours. And so in the meantime, with every single heartbeat, there is profound purpose and work for you and for me to do. Do you know what that means for some of these older widows in my church? It means for some of them, and they think that this is the most meaningless and purposeless thing ever, but you be the judge. They will take cards, and they will write anonymous encouragements and put them where they know specific individuals will find them. They will ask me for lists of people, and I will replace the names because they don't want to know, but I will write down the circumstance, and they will say, Lord, you know who this is. Lord, you know who this is. One lady in particular, she's in very bad health. And so every day it's a pain for her to take every single breath. So getting up and walking, it's agonizing. Every day, she walks over and she checks on her neighbor, who's worse off than she. Purposeless? Meaningless? How about fruitful labor? And with every single heartbeat that you have right now, and although you long for heaven just as much, if not more than I do, maybe, God has given us so much to do. And it's necessary, yes, God decides to work through us and to make us his hands and feet, his mouth, his ear to listen to people, his eyes to see the opportunities that are around us. It is like a playground out there, our world. Especially as broken as it is, for Christians who are meant to thrive, even here and now. Longing for heaven, but we have fruitful labor. So, although we know that heaven is in store, God has so much work to do through us for the good of others. And he most certainly will carry that out, not only for our good, but for hopefully many more.
0: Hey, it's Pastor Mike one more time. (laughs) Thank you so much for making it all the way to the end of this podcast. Before I promise you a quick look at another podcast from Time of Grace that I think you're really going to like. It's one of my favorites from C.L. Whiteside. But rather than listen to me any longer, here's a sample clip from C.L. himself. Hope you enjoy it, and I will see you next week. There's this reoccurring theme on social media that I've been seeing on Instagram, on, on Twitter, on TikTok, and that theme is do whatever makes you happy man, that like, I look at that, that's super dangerous to say. And I know what people really mean, though, they really mean is do what makes you happy as long as it doesn't bother me or it doesn't bother someone else that I, I care about. And why I say that's silly is because like our sinful nature, the desires of our flesh will have us happily destroying ourselves. And what's eye opening What's just fascinating is that the happiness we think this stuff of this world will bring us, like it really doesn't last. Most people aren't going to tell you that truth. Most things on social media don't portray that. It seems like it lasts forever, but it doesn't. Join me, CL White Tide, on my podcast, The Non-Microwave Truth. Search The Non-Microwave Truth wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.